Hi, everybody. It's Andy, your co-host and producer, engineer, guy of candy-coated razor blades. As you know, it is Thanksgiving week. Um, it is not, as I record this, Thanksgiving yet. And by the time you hear this, it will have already been Thanksgiving and, in fact, be Thanksgiving no longer. That said, we're going to be off doing holiday stuff this weekend. I'm sure you will be, too. Therefore, we're not going to be able to record the podcast on our usual day. But... Um, we keep a couple of episodes in the can for just such an eventuality, and this is one of them. We recorded this episode back in, like, September, I think, along on the same day as The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, which turned out to be pretty much my favorite episode of this whole thing that we've done. And this is kind of in that same vein. If you've heard that one, you know what to expect. Anyway, thank you for listening, um, happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Candy Coated Razor Blades. I'm your host, Bob. I am the label on the bottle of medication that no one ever fucking reads. And here are my co-hosts. I'm Andy, and I am that erection that lasts so long it makes you call your doctor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex, and I take about as long to get up as that shed uh, John built. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, today we're going to talk about the short uh, John the Carpenter which has its own cute little implications right there. And we're also going to talk about the Netflix release Gerald's Game based on the Stephen King book of the same name. That's right. So, this is a very special episode of yes, Candy Coated Razor Today, Blades. children, we're going to be discussing what happens when you handcuff people and have heart attacks. <laughs> the you want to watch with the whole as, family. The well hazards as, of Viagra. As well as the best new foundation we have been thinking about supporting called Jiggle Your Boobs for President <laughs> Putin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jingle Your Boobs for President Putin is sponsored by no one because... but real jiggly boobies. <laughs> Tiggle bitties, people. Tiggle, Tiggle bitties. bitties. Yay. So, all right. So, uh, I watched John the, John the Carpenter this morning. Go ahead and give us the details. Who's doing that? Is that I me? I thought that was you. Oh, was it me? Or actually, oh, it, it was you. me. It was you. I, got... I wasn't doing any details for this. Ah, one, so damn, I didn't know. Bob. I'm a horrible person. So... And you're uh, a fairly milk toast host. I am. <laughs> milk toast <laughs> on your breakfast. Never, never make that sound again. <laughs> you can turn me off by pushing a button. But I did. Test. I did. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck did you do? Ow! <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> Sorry. Nipple oh. injuries! Nipple injuries! Oh if I was paying God. you, I would oh, be concerned about workers' comps. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God! <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> John the Carpenter, director Matt Brownsdorf, <laughs> starring Thomas Busler as the Beast, Jared Dimbort, or Dimbor, as John. Dimbort. 
as John and Molly McConnell as Anna. None of these people have any fucking dialogue except for like John who has like three words when he's trying to call 911. He says my sister. God. He's not even trying to call. Actually, he doesn't even say my sister. He just says my sis. He doesn't call 911 either. He (laughs) calls the police station. They yell at him for it. He's calling a dermatologist by accident. (laughs) My sis. Bob is assaulting my nipple. It hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Stop making those noises. You brought it on yourself. Making those noises. You brought it on yourself. I I will sue your insurance policy i know what it should cover <laughs> but we weren't in a car you don't have homeowner's insurance probably no i will win so much money out of that suit. your homeowner's insurance would have covered the legal costs for you he's not a homeowner i'm not a homeowner yes well, but I renter's insurance is an ho4 policy which means it's a homeowner's policy oh my god we're cutting all this stuff out anyway <laughs> A- Andy will make that choice. <laughs> we need it. We need it. We need a sound effect for me, like like raising my eyebrows shiftily. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Groucho Marx like. Waka waka waka. The short John the Carpenter. So this this short did premiere the Nightmares Film Festival 2016, nice. but I actually saw it in front of Halloween on Halloween. <laughs> Nice. So it was, they played John the Carpenter, and then I watched Halloween, and it was the first time uh, my partner Paul had ever seen Halloween, which is a whole different story we'll have to talk about. Which Halloween? The original. Good. Okay. (sighs) About that fucking Rob Zombie abortion. Okay. Well, apparently we'll have to watch that at some point, too, so that Bob can just cry. Speaking of, since you you brought up Rob Zombie, why does this fucking werewolf have dreadlocks? I don't know. Why I still this... don't think it's a fucking werewolf. I think Why does it's this Bigfoot. shitty looking fucking werewolf if if it howls, it's a werewolf. Uh, Big... Bigfoot you don't know howl? Bigfoot? You don't know hey, you don't know him. Just because Kane was marked by God and walked the earth for years and became Bigfoot doesn't mean he can't howl. <laughs> Shit, Bob, Bigfoot owes me twenty. I've had sex with you and you howl, so Andy is a werewolf, Bob. Didn't you know? <laughs> no, I just saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving hysterical. <laughs> Jesus. Uh. <laughs> anyway, Boom! so literary joke. Uh, yay. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love this short. I remember, actually, I remember seeing the advertisements for it. Um, they were strewn everywhere. They put a lot in their marketing budget for this one. I'm kind of surprised. But, um, and it just looked really fun. I, wa- I really wanted it to be a feature length movie because I would have watched it. Uh, and I love it. I love that he literally is a carpenter and he builds a freaking shed for the werewolf. And, <laughs> and then like, he builds after, a closet and he, he, he drags the werewolf into the closet and they don't make out. Right. It's cut, not cut seven minutes part, in heaven. <laughs> it really? No, this is like 20 minutes in limbo. Oh God. So now, I mean, uh, I can't say that I love this one. I didn't hate it. It was not bad. It was actually pretty good. Um, but it just felt lacking a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, it was long. It didn't need... It It could have been shorter. I could have done without a number of little parts of it, but... I could have... You could have... You could have carved out 10 minutes of that thing. Yeah. And I would have been a lot happier. 
Yeah, I, like for instance, there was entirely too much carpentry going on, and right. I realize that that's no, the title, that's the but I don't joke. care. I that love that joke. joke. I know, and they've got this like fake, I would have cut out fake, more. not particularly good John Carpenter. I'm okay. With, I'm okay with the standard movie. Let's arm ourselves montage, which is what that's totally. But that doing. was like I five minutes. It was. Yeah, I would have cut stuff from the beginning and the end and left that in. I will also right. say that yeah, that whole like by by the time we actually got to the climactic battle with the. So, so the beast, we'll call it a beast, just so bothered right. the Wasn't that again. in the, the movie description? Wasn't it the monster yeah. or the beast or something? The beast is what they it's call it. It's like if we ever watch that movie, The Monster, which is not a recommendation, um, <laughs> you don't ever really find out what that monster is either. It just kind of exists. Right. But so, so the deal with this, and I realize we haven't really gotten into this. Uh, Guy and his sister are attacked by a monster. Sister, sister dies. He decides to go get revenge. That's really the crux of the story. And he's a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> if you did, did get the joke. If you haven't gotten it, he's John the Carpenter. Oh, my God. And it's funny because his name is John. That joke gives me what? <laughs> it would. It really doesn't. <laughs> Uh, just it, 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 we, we broke Andy we with did. The, like not even in the good the way. slasher no, just like nonsense unlike the erotic rights of Frankenstein we did not break Andy in the good way this time no no uh, just, just wah, it didn't wah. I don't know unlike the monster that broke the shed didn't it break the shed I don't know no the shed just caught on fire oh that's what it was yeah I couldn't remember the was exact the shed, I think the shed was designed to catch it fire it was designed to catch it and catch on fire and I, I'm pretty and sure and self-immolate was... with him inside so that yeah. he couldn't also rise again as a Bigfoot because that's apparently the curse of Bigfoot once Bigfoot bites you you will become Bigfoot at the next full moon I'm... Uh, that was never actually touched on, but well, he was um, he was. That's why he, I think it was more like self sacrifice. Oh, I get to go be with my no, sister. No, remember again. because God cursed Cain. Only no man can kill Bigfoot, or else they'll have seventy seven years of bad luck. Like. <laughs> Like a bull in a mirror shop. I have no idea what the fuck any of that is, but that would have been more entertaining than this short. That, that's the that's the the that's the world of darkness vampire the masquerade description. Oh really? Uh, no, that's actually was, was Bigfoot in the fucking world no, of darkness. I that, don't remember that. That's, that's totally a thing if you if you live in Utah. Um, it's a big thing that they actually believe that the big that Bigfoot is Cain from the Bible. Cain and Abel. Cain. Mormons are he, fucking weird. A little bit. The Mormons um, and their underwear and their sparkly vampires. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. Oh, she is Mormon, isn't yeah. she? Is she? Oh. That explains so much about the sparkly vampires. <laughs> Twilight I, is a Mormon dating primer. What if What if Utah was just like a sentient hole and <laughs> communicating out its theories about Mormonism? Running gags. We got them, kids. <laughs> Running gags. <laughs> <laughs> This is where Andy makes slight adjustments so that so, he can mark where he wants to cut things. Actually, no, we just <laughs> there was a lot of shouting in this episode. There is a it, lot. It's gotten clipped, which is weird because the short and uh, frankly the movie that we're talking about don't necessarily deserve a lot of shouting. Um, I, I want to shout it out loud. Shout it. <laughs> um. um <laughs> So I mean, this he this might have needed was... to like shout out those stains this... on his shirt after the bleed. I'm gonna watch oh, that shirt? man right out of Oh, John the Carpenter. Yeah. So yeah. now, um, John the Carpenter. It was a good short. It was not a great short. It was. It was amusing for what it was. Yeah. It was. I think better in the theater. It was kind of a fun ride to just take when you just weren't expecting it at all. 
Um, and Andy, even though you seem to be not liking it now, you seem to enjoy it during. I was <laughs> giggling at it and making fun of it. Yeah, that's I what mean, else do you need? What do we do? What do we do here, Andy? Well, what is our mission it was statement? Okay. It was, it was no okay. one who titled their short John the Carpenter was expecting to win an Oscar for best no, you know, but dramatic presentation also, in a short form. But ultimately, like, unless I, it was actually like some kind of weird, like this, this, this short is period drama about a carpenter so named John that Jesus. I basically had yes. to resort to making my own entertainment because it was long. We I, did not need ten minutes of carpentry. I get that. That's the joke. Yeah, <laughs> the carpentry is extended from five minutes. He to made himself minutes. a little shield and everything. It was so cute. <laughs> it was with like straps for hammers yeah. and shit. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, like that werewolf looked like shit. I mean, if it, it wasn't really the best. Was, that, that, that was a shit creature. From creation. what I <laughs> really, from watched. what I know from the people who made it, that was partially the purpose. Yeah, and this was a Kickstarter uh, thing, and like it didn't. It didn't need to have dreads. No, just, nothing needs they to set have dreads. The, they set the wrong... Like, I mean, I mean, the Predalia needed to have dreads. Cultural misappropriation is eh. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dreads don't have to be cultural misappropriation unless you're taking everything with the culture with it. Yeah. I mean, is Bigfoot actually Rastafarian? We don't know. Well... I mean, good on him if he is. I'm pretty you... sure that... that that particular, I love that Bob just keeps referring to it as Bigfoot, and I keep referring to it as a werewolf. I have, I have not. Wait, which just tells you how confusing this makeup job really was. It wasn't <laughs> good makeup, but I, I just think that was the point. I don't think they were trying to make like the most gorgeous monster. They were just trying to have fun, right? Do and like a play fine. on the eighties? That's fine. Yeah, I'm glad they had it. fun. Oh my god! So, I did not have fun. Andy, would you say you were like chained to this terrible short, terrible short for the full twenty minutes? Chained? Yeah, like handcuffed. <laughs> I realize you're trying to do a segue, but now all I can think of is like that one erasure hit. You know, I mean, but, but both of them had reinforced wood. Oh my god! I feel like this is, this, is, this is why we have terrible segues because whenever someone tries to make a segue, no one goes with it. We're all like, "Full stop!" I want to make fun of that segue. Stop! 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 Thank you. Be careful! He will stab you in the fucking nipple. And it, Hurts. <laughs> it's still sore, motherfucker. <laughs> Even your easily bruised nips. I'm sorry, man. It's not my fault that they poke out for the world to see all the time. <laughs> Gerald's game. Everyone can tell when you're cold. <laughs> yeah, 24-7. They literally never go anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so John the Carpenter was... Yeah, it's okay. Oh my God, you just but Gerald's not a want to segue. You just walked like, back on the game. I was meh, 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 meh. meh. Speaking we, of reinforced wood, Jesus reinforced Christ. fucking wood. There oh, you go. That's the horrible segue. We're not using that. Mine was better. Chains. You're chained, Andy, okay, by handcuffs. Read Christ, the details. The shouting. So much <laughs> clipping. What is wrong with you people? We're awful. Oh. <laughs> Gerald's Game, 2017, exclusively to Netflix. You know, that's their thing. Synopsis. While trying to spice up their marriage in the... <laughs> Sorry. While trying to spice up their... I started turning on a bad announcer voice. <laughs> While trying to spice up their marriage... No, do it in movie phone guy. <laughs> movie phone voice. What's movie phone voice? Wait. In Wait. a world. <laughs> that's not movie phone. No, no, that's, that's, also, that's also... Thank you that's for calling movie phone. Thank you for calling movie phone. While trying to spice up their marriage. No, sorry. Was... This isn't Bird Girl. No, this isn't While try... Mean Girls either. Oh my God. <laughs> this is going to take so long. No, not for you, Glenn. 
While trying to spice up their marriage in their remote lake house, Jesse must fight. They used a plural there. God damn it. <laughs> Jessie must fight to survive when her husband dies unexpectedly, leaving her handcuffed to their bed frame. Um, this is directed by Mike Flanagan of Hush fame and probably other stuff. But yes, Hush he is did. Oh, what did he do? That Oculus. Was really good. Oculus. I, I, did he do Oculus? He did something else that I remember. I can't really say liking. if Ocul Oculus was good, but... Uh, it, I loved Oculus. You didn't like Oculus? No, I haven't seen it, of course. Oh. Duh. It's it's good. Um, it was written by hey we're doing things written screenplay written by Jeff Howard uh, based of course on the novel by Stephen King, starring Carla Gugino, Henry Thomas, Bruce Greenwood, um, Carl Stricken, Kate Siegel. Big shock, she's in all of Mike Flanagan's movies, uh, and a dog and a very very nice dog. Actually, both. Of he he remade I know what you did last summer. Oh, did he do he did he do the I, I still know what you did last summer one? Love that everybody. No, it just just says that he re, he did the okay. 2016 remake for I'm thinking Lifetime. Andy's super bitter for this recording. <laughs> oh, God, <clears throat> I didn't even I didn't even realize a that I know what you did last summer got remade because it. There's like, three of them. For, I love those movies. Mm, I, I do like the first two. This, I saw the because first Sarah one. Michelle Gellar is amazing. I love them both. But yeah, he also did Absentia. That's, he did yeah. Before I Wake, and he did Ouija: Origin of Evil. Yeah, he did the second Ouija, the second which one. was better than the first. Which so, is not so. I see much. that he's getting more money. Which he, is fine. he, yeah, he's he actually. I listened to an interview by him on um, uh, Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse. Okay. The Bloomhouse podcast. Um, they had like a hour-long interview with him he's real cool he just every time he makes a movie he looks at a new script and he's like i want to do something a hundred percent different now which is interesting because really his films all kind of at least the ones that i've seen all kind of have the same tone ouija and oculus kind of had the same tone but and hush and this definitely had the same tone they did and they have a simple they have it's because then where they're like place they're associated yeah. with place place and empowered woman in peril um we're calling her empowered. We're, uh, not in this one. She seeks, she does one. eventually become empowered. Eventually, I, but she's not supposed. To, okay, so well, neither was neither was the neither was Kate Siegel in Hush until the, like until she like she, fought back. She was generally. I, I liked very, her. She, she was, had to find she her consummate. In control. She was in control before her things consummate. went out of control. Yeah. She she had her career. Yeah. She had her writing. She was successful. Right. She was a, a very empowered woman for being someone who is hearing impaired and then asshole comes along and ruins it. it whereas in this case she was damaged goods before we even began right. yeah and that's this i i actually think this is a very faithful adaptation of the book it tells pretty much the exact same story that the book does she gets chained her husband has a heart attack she spends a lot of time in her head yeah. and then there's the ending um, which we want to spoil it up front, or we want to spoil it closer. We'll to the spoil end. it closer we'll to the ending, but we will spoil it because there's some shit I want to talk. Oh, about. definitely. Yeah. So I what the big, the funniest thing I think, if you look at the book and you look at this movie, is he is supposed to be fat. Yep. And like unattractive. He was supposed to have a reason to have a heart attack. And she is supposed to be older. Yep. They're supposed to be like the same age. They've been married for like 17 years or something. Yeah. What? Whereas in this place, they definitely made it a very. Uh, "Quote unquote anti-feminist power uh, dynamic." Well, because he is he is the he is definitely an older, high-powered. What the 
fucking idiot. she was a red pill guys would consider to be an alpha male and she was a trophy wife yeah yeah it was and they were both completely unfulfilled <clears throat> in this relationship which and that, is, at least i i did kind of appreciate that yeah i yeah i the changes the big changes is is her character in the book she is meek throughout mm-hmm. she is meek throughout like the the scene, you know, the they're like kind of back and forth with no, I don't want to do this, get me out of the handcuffs, is much more whiny in the book. Stephen King has a problem writing women characters, and yeah. this is still during that period. So yeah. she comes off in the book as being like in her head, she never wants to do this. They've been doing this handcuff routine for like a year solid. Mm-hmm. And this is her last draw. She was going to give him one last time, and he got a little too into it, and then she was just done. And she actually, like, kicks him, and then he has a heart attack. But it's very different when you read it. Yeah. She, she like, knocks be him. another one of those adaptations. Yeah, she episodes. knocks him off the bed. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, bitter Andy literally forgets what we talked about five minutes before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in in terms of the book, I I have to say right up front that Gerald's Game is not my favorite Stephen King No, novel. it's uh, my favorite part about Gerald's Game is the end. Which they kept mostly in the movie, which we'll talk about there. That's really the only other time I'll talk about the book, Bitter Andy, who doesn't want to be doing this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I, one of the interesting things about this book, I know that it was written, I think it was it two or three. I, I think it was, I know it was this one and Dolores Claiborne. That's was it, Rose yeah. Matter also part of it? No. So this, and actually that was the other thing, if we want to mention it now, that I, I want to talk about, which is they, they kept all of the Dolores Claiborne stuff. For no reason. Right. Is Netflix going to do the Dolores Claiborne movie where it makes... If so, you probably don't know this unless you researched it, Andy. Vaguely. Um, when Stephen King wrote this book, he wrote this and Dolores Claiborne at the same time. Right. This is very much first person, but it's all in her head. Like, the whole book yeah. is told in her head. She, like, speaks maybe five things. Mm-hmm. Even at the end, she doesn't speak during the end of the epilogue like she does in the movie. Right. And then Dolores Claiborne is a stream of consciousness book. It's the story told from the perspective of Dolores Claiborne. Duh. Um, and so there's a scene in both where they switch places during the eclipse. And there's no discussion about it. It's just a really random scene in the middle of Gerald's game when she's in a well and she's looking up and she doesn't know what's going on. And then they just move on. And then in Dolores Claiborne, there's just a scene where she's, I forget exactly what happens. Dolores Claiborne, I skimmed. I should read it again. Dolores Claiborne was pushing her husband into a well. Yeah. Which is why the well is there. But but she's, you know, envisioning (laughs) something. I always remember that she's envisioning her like stuck. But in this movie, they, the movie changed it to she envisioned her as a little girl during the bad times, mm-hmm. um, which we can certainly talk about. But that I thought that was good. I think including those details is important. But at the same time, I feel like we could have cut that if we're not going to do a Dolores Claiborne. Well, I felt like they kind well, of were Dolores setting up Claiborne the... has already been brought to film. It had Kathy Bates. It did, but I mean, so are they going to do a Netflix Dolores Claiborne? Um, you know, like... No I don't know. Is. It felt like they played... I mean, because I didn't... I actually didn't catch the well thing from Dolores Claiborne because, well... Well, you much. don't watch anything. Hmm. But, so, uh, but uh, with Kathy Bates? <laughs> Actually, no. Oh, exactly. Um, but I don't think they referenced Gerald's game in that movie. No. The way they set up the way they set up the well thing, I thought, at least in this movie, was that the well was like a construct like where she was bearing that the well was like her memory hole where she was going and throwing. I think there was even a Was I it a sentient hole? 
Uh, running gags, but that was because that was like the that was. I think they even made reference to it that like that that was where she was kind of burying her memories. It was she was just throwing them down the well. Um, It was, and I think that's a fine reading. Maybe because I know it just took to me. It stuck out like a sore thumb, where I was like, "We're explaining something that really isn't necessary for the plot. Like we didn't need to talk about." where you switched vision over to some other person and then never bring it up again. Mm. Although I think you're led to believe she was writing a letter to that person at the end. Um, she was I, writing a letter. At the were, end of the movie, this one, she was writing a letter to her younger self. Right. Like a lot of therapists will Oh, tell was you it young? Was there, I didn't realize. I didn't, couldn't figure out who she was writing the letter to exactly. Yeah, it's, and it's I, something I was that, trying to like give it something, be like, maybe she's writing it to Dolores Claiborne. Like, yeah, no, you it, know? it's a standard therapy tool yeah. to write a letter to your younger self. No, that say, makes sense. This is why everything's going to be okay now. Yeah. Sort of thing. This is that, such a Lifetime original movie. Pretty it, much. It is. That's, that was the, yeah. that's not how the book ends. Just throwing yeah. that out there. But um, the movie, I I thought she did great. Oh, Carla Gugino is always... Yeah, I loved her. Pretty much amazing. I've, I've rarely seen anything with her in it that I didn't like, and I even liked Sucker Punch, so... This was kind Sucker of... Punch this was okay. one of those movies where, like... Hang on, I'm sorry. I'm pouring coffee. I should not be talking while I'm doing that. It sounds like you're peeing. I know. <laughs> suspicious gurgling noise is coming from the table. Um, this is one of those movies that, um, even though I'm ultimately kind of lukewarm on it, I can easily see why everybody involved jumped at the chance to do it. Because mm-hmm. every one of these roles is the kind of role that any actor is just like, oh, God, oh, yeah. let me it's, at it. It's meat. It is an it entire really fucking is. side like, of beef. Everybody, Carla Gugino, just like, she... she she She's, rocked it. She she's really the reason that it works to the degree she, that it yeah, does. She did a fantastic. This job. is her movie, and mm-hmm. and Bruce Greenwood is an asshole in this movie. You don't like him. You're not supposed to. He's Gerald. Right? Yeah, but he he does get some in the book. He's not there. That actually yeah. that was a change I liked in the movie. Yeah, because yeah. in the book it's just her brain constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Andy is smirking evilly because he hates every time I say the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying it because you hate it at this point. Like I'm gonna keep referencing it more. <laughs> but you, but you're right. I I I appreciated that she brought in. Okay, I'm stuck here. I can't do anything else but be with my brain. Let's let's hash out my marital problems with my dead husband, who's getting eating eaten by a stray dog on the floor. Well, it's not even necessarily hashing out That's marital problems dog. as much as it is he is the voice in her head that is telling her to give up and die. Right. He yes. is. He is. I mean, this is a construct of her mind. He is telling, he's basically still gaslighting her. Right. And, and, and he's always been that to Exactly. Her. So, yeah. So, that made perfect sense. I'm not entirely sure that the version of Carla Gugino, who breaks free and then stalks around the room talking to the actual Carla Gugino, and is like, my empowered self. Yeah. I'm not sure if that works quite as well. That, I mean, I think they had to do that. I was... They had to have an angel to on one shoulder to offset the devil on the other. Well, yeah. the, the problem is she spends so much time in there. Um, they did a good job with the movie where we didn't have to go through the slog of her, like, she plays through a million scenarios. Right. And they did a great job of showing a lot more than... I was worried that we were just going to hear like the overdub in her brain for half the movie of like, yeah. oh, but if I slide the drawer up this way, can I slide this thing here? And can I get these scissors? And I this think weird yeah. angle? they did. That is one thing now that I think about it, that this movie did really well. It did. That visual storytelling of she looks over, sees the phone. You know, it's like the objects that she's trying to manipulate. Right. The movie does a really good job of like setting up a relationship between her and those 
to tell that story. It was fantastic. And, yeah. and it was like that that um, Sherlock Holmes thing yeah. in the recent Sherlock Holmes movie where yeah. he's in his head calculating everything out step yeah. by step. And it no. worked really well. I th- yeah, that's one thing that there's a lot that he that is done very well yeah. in this movie. Yeah. I, uh, I, yes. And I loved the filming. One of my, my favorite two shot was him above her, her below, and the way they angled the camera where you got the perspective, how low she was versus how high up he would feel if you were strapped down like that yeah. and he was up on his knees. Right. Like I liked the, sh- the camera work. That's one of the things I like about Mike Flanagan and like Oculus. He does a really good job mm-hmm. with, because Oculus is all about the, the mirror tricks your brain. So the camera is what's real versus what you see. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really good camera work. I cool. love his camera yeah. work. I'll go um, back for it. Cause it's yeah, fun. yeah, definitely. And this movie really showcased a lot of that for being so trapped in that scene. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, and watching the things that he did to her to bring her even lower, removing the pillows. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where she has nowhere to go, but down. Yeah. And I'll, I'm, it's this is also kind of this is what happens when straight people learn BDSM from 50 fucking shades of gray. Uh, yeah. God damn it. And I think that's an interesting it's interesting to me that in this version of it, the movie version, it's just this is our first time. We're locking you right up. Yeah. And I got the kind you can't break out and of. And the whole time like he's doing that, I'm just like shitting myself. Like, no, no, you don't do that. You right? don't use real handcuffs. Real handcuffs no. cut off circulation. Even if they're weirdly specially made ones where the chain is like a foot long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are weird. Like real specialized handcuffs for no apparent reason. Yeah. And yeah. you and you, you Those never use real handcuffs. handcuffs. You never, yeah. Oh, they're leg cuffs. They're leg cuffs. That's oh, why okay. the chains are longer. It was just... Anyway. That, that made me really angry. And Well, yeah, because and people I, get hurt in those situations. Yeah. And I understand that's what they were going for. Right. But it, that's also, again, like, can we at least someday, can we have, like, a maybe a depiction of people doing fucking BDSM? Right. Secretary? Oddly, secretary and oddly East of Eden. I mean, there are, there are examples, oh, but God. they're... I mean, to, nobody wanted had, to see Rosie O'Donnell in that. You're outfit, talking uh, but, East uh, of Eden, I think, was James Dean. You're talking about Exit to Eden. That's the one. Sorry, yeah, not the <laughs> not the John Simon. I mean, book. James Dean probably had his own thing, but um, pretty sure he was just gay. Well, either way, I don't Who know. Who is it, gay? Right. Well, I mean, there was that whole thing with that question thing between him and Marlon Brando, and who? Anyway, that thing was a penis. It was. <laughs> I'm Franken penis. <laughs> Franken Franken cock. Yeah, that's yeah. penis between us. Well, I mean, he I'm, did do Dr. Moreau, so Franken cock could have figured in there. Oh my god. So he. <laughs> who didn't do Dr. Moreau? Who has? Dr. Moreau oh was a slut. He He's the village bicycle. That bitch has been around the lab more times than I can count. <laughs> Which Annie can count really high when every, he's bitter. Every nook and cranny of that island. God. <laughs> But but now going through this movie and watching her use this trauma, because I mean yes. it starts out as trauma and does not end until no. the end of the movie. Use this trauma to deal with a past trauma. Yes, and that's that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's kind of a refinement of the trope of one's life passing before their eyes yeah. before yes. they die, which it, she is at the, at, at the <clears throat> outset preparing to die. Yeah, which. So a good example of this is the movie Ender's Game. In the movie Ender's Game, when you go from the book to the movie, the major change is they had to make Ender more aggressive, 
Whereas in the book, Ender doesn't make aggressive choices. He is, he is good at what he does because he is very passive. But once he's in a fight, he will win no matter what it takes. So when you transform that into a movie, you had super aggressive Ender who was like mean to the uh, higher ups. And it was a bad interpretation. I, I loved that movie because I always wanted it and I hated it because I was like, you're not Ender. Right. That's I mean, the book character in the book was written a very specific way and did a certain thing. And you you just can't match it. And in this one. It worked the exact opposite. By giving her more agency and more aggression, she was a better character. This movie was more enjoyable in some ways than the book because she got to actively work through her problems. It wasn't just like, oh, I can't go to sleep and I'm trapped here and we have to fill eight hours of time. So I'm just going to go through things in my head and then just remember bad trauma that I apparently forgot and remember this that I apparently forgot. Right. The, the book always seemed to me, and again, not not necessarily a huge fan of the book. The book always seemed to me that it would be better as a novella. Yeah. Well, and I, I think of it as two novellas. Yeah. And the novella I like is the epilogue. Right. I could just have read that and been happy. Yeah. Because I like that. I, that's the part of the movie that fails me a little. But but, I, but before we get to the epilogue, we, we obviously want to talk about what her trauma is and why she's coping with it. She was oddly sexually abused, except not, and it's weird well, to it think is, about. It I mean, is it's still, still sexual abuse. It is still, yeah, abuse. Um, still abuse. Even though he didn't actually it's touch not, her. It's not molestation. It's, it's yeah. not, it is still sexual abuse. And yeah, it it's is definitely still, abuse. Um, yeah. It is certainly an, uh, a sexual advance, and he has dragged her into sex against her will, even though right. he does not yeah. actually touch her. Exactly. He does not actually penetrate her, but no, yeah. he has he, her on his lap and jerks off like a maniac. Which he... Right. I, I was really... I mean... I thought he was going to like blow off like the like uh, Cornelius from Night of Something God, Strange. Yeah. Oh, my God. I The funny thing to me... Uh, not the funny thing. The thing that <laughs> was... That kind of like stuck in my head weirdly is... Looking at their proportional sizes, where was she sitting comfortably like on his right lap, on, on his, his knees? knees I that guess. like allowed that much access where he wasn't touching her. Which means yeah. that his legs were like pressed together, and his nuts must have been smashed. Yeah, I was. I'm right. like, just the logistics of that. Like, I, I feel like when you read it, you're not seeing these people, so I just assumed he would have been bigger or taller. Right. Our, our Elliot is a very kinky boy, and, and I will never watch ET the same way again. I know. <laughs> Was that Elliot? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't yeah. realize that. That was that, that was Haley Thomas. Oh I, yeah. And actually, and oh. I, I, and he's had some work done. Anyway, who has? I know. Uh, speaking of so Jennifer, possibly that little. Speaking girl. of Jennifer Tilly, uh, <laughs> no, but what I and what I enjoy is um, when joy again is a temperative word. Right. So what I find good is that they. Uh, terrible. The abuse is terrible, but the worst part was what he did to her after. Yes. And the I, gaslighting scene. Yeah. And oh. I don't feel like it was called out in the book very well. It was kind of just like an additional thing that was bad. Right. And I like that they tend to the time saying that this was almost worse. This has damaged you so much more right. than if you had just dealt with it. it, it than if you had just said it and I don't even think it's it almost worse. I think it, it is, is worse. Objectively, like portrayed as worse. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for her, it was worse. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, be, and because, you know, when the adult goes to the child and says, oh, your mom will think this was your fault, but it's okay. We know it's not blah, 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 but we'll no, just never have to tell anyone. He was written so well as a manipulator. Was, that was, that was as terrible as it was. Terrible, horrible, written very well to be it's terrible. The kind he of thing. skeeved my shit right out. Yeah. And oh he, and it, when you, when you think about the two scenes, the fact that he was just doing it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't care what he wants to say. This was like a plan. It was amazing. Right. Because that's a whole like it's not even the usual like don't tell anybody he like like you're not going to tell anybody and you're going to think it's your idea yes he incepted Mm -hmm. her that is in fucking sidious yep it's Um, terrible and it's the what it like had done to her life but maybe we should tell but maybe we should tell oh god that was rough yeah that was a very rough scene um, this is a movie that I'm I think we're all kind of well I'm not sure where you fall I know Bob and I are kind of middle of the road on it the fact that this movie gave that scene a place to exist right. is like a huge, it's huge important. deal. Yeah. It's important. It's a really, like, this movie is made better by that scene. And it's, it, it's. It was, yeah, it was, they, yeah. they, and they call back to it. That's the girl she was writing a letter to. Now yeah. that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Yes. It didn't quite make sense to me the first time I watched it. But now I think about it. That's the moment she was giving herself permission to be okay for the first yeah. time. Yeah. And the, who, uh, the young actress in that scene. Holy shit. She did oh wonderful. Yeah, no, she did very Please well. Please give her more work. Like, she was delightful. Yeah. She was terrified. She must just be, because usually with child actors, you can only get them to be themselves. You right. can't make them act. So I, I just... I, I mean, she was a little wooden in her line she delivery. Was, but I wonder if no, she's just in a the, kind of a... In the gaslighting scene? Oh, gosh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. She went to pieces. <clears throat> yeah. I just wonder, like, I want. I kind of want to be like, I hope this girl is not just, like, super depressive. Because, right. the, I mean, if that's, like, her normal self, like, I want her to have been acting some. But right? generally, like, kids that young, you they're not. That you get what you get. I, I don't want her to be doing Stanislavski. Right no, <laughs> that's rough. No. I mean, yeah, no. That Please was... don't ever have actually been hurt, little girl. Please. Yeah. No, I hope I, not. no, no, no. no. But God, mm. if they put her in that scene after, if she went through that, I'd not be okay oh, with God. that. Oh, was, God. That, it was heartbreaking. It was terrible. Very effective. She yeah, was... and then even that yeah. dinner scene was just, oh, oh yeah. that yeah. was rough. And that was, I think, completely the movie. Completely yep. new edition, which was perfect. It was oh, such a great little... Because it was where she... Because it, it was at the end when she's giving that epilogue, that letter yeah. to herself, where she realizes, Mom knew and didn't do anything. And yeah. you can tell. You can yeah. tell. You can see you... the look on Mom's face. Yes. And she, she totally knows. She got well, it. And, and, when yeah. it's, and if you even go back to her dialogue when she was like, fine, you can stay here with her if you want to. Mm-hmm. It was like she knew even then. She's I... like, yeah, I I didn't catch up. on. I didn't catch on then. But well, when just, she, but at at dinner you could she very clearly knew. Well, it's just it, when I think about it, when I think about how angry she was mm-hmm. that she didn't want the daughter to stay, and that she realized what that meant. That anger made no sense at the time. Like it sounded so much like she was basically saying, "I hate my daughter. She's a terrible person." Right. But when you think back and you're like, "Oh, she wasn't hating the daughter. She was just she could not put into words why her staying was such a bad thing." And she was also in action. Now that I think about it, because that whole argument they had about her behavior, yeah, mm-hmm. like that clearly was not the first time he went that route. He may not have ever right. actually... Yeah. He, he may had not have done anything or... He had or not abused her yet, of. but yeah. he was clearly grooming her. Yeah. And, right. okay, now we're two for two in Stephen King movie adaptations where a father is grooming his daughter 
for, for fuckability. I know that, and yeah. that I thought of that. I was like, Stephen King must just have had some terrible parents. Seriously, or he. Like, I, I know he also knows some people that were pretty horribly abused. In well, their yeah, lives he too, he so. worked in the school system. Yeah, so he may have run into children who have been going through that, but just because it, it, these are not the only two examples. They're not. If no. you go through his work, They're generally not. parents are never good parents. The the library policeman had a fairly horrific example of child rape as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, like, Under the Dome features a terrible parent who mm-hmm. grooms his son to be a man who murders women. Yeah. He grooms him to be a psychopath. Yeah. And it's so just, either it's... either he... So either that's... He's just seen a lot of kids who have had that, or Joe Hill has some fucking stories to tell. Oh, my God. I mean, Joe Hill has some fantastic stories George, to tell, yeah. but not anything really like yeah. that. I, I love it. I just read Nosferatu. You, it's you read, amazing. Have you read um, The Fireman? Not yet. That one is wonderful. I really liked that one. That one went places I was not expecting. I kind of need... I don't do audiobooks, but I kind of need the audiobook for Nosferatu because it's read by... um, It's read by Kate Mulgrew. What if it was read by Andy McFerrin? No. (laughs) No one's going to hire me to read Nosferatu. (laughs) (laughs) Kate Mulgrew, really? I want to hear that. Yeah, I know. Nosferatu is the one with the rainbow bridges, isn't it? Uh, Well, kind of rainbow bridges. It's the one with the the basically sentient um, Rolls Royce. And the guy who uses it to bring kids to Christmas down and basically yeah, turns and them into vampires. molests and, them yeah. and, and leaves well, them. He doesn't actually molest them. That's not what I've heard. I've not read it, but I, I listened to a very extended podcast dissecting it, and their very strong opinion was that he was very obviously molesting the children. Hmm. I think they might need to read it. I mean, I just read it. And it yeah. He's, I have, he's I very clear. It. It's like, I'm, I'm not a kitty fiddler. That is not what I do. I, think I just free them. And by saying. freeing them, he turns them into fucking vampires. So yeah. I'll read it. I'll have an opinion at some it's, day. It's it's a In delightful like little read. Twenty forty. I'll have read it and have an opinion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, going back to to Gerald's game uh, again. Like I said, uh, using this this outside trauma that she's currently experiencing to deal with an inside trauma was fucking genius. Yeah. No, so, I and it, you know, m- moving away from her trauma, the. Tall man. They mm, they refer yeah. to him in the credits as the Moonlight Man. I know in the book he okay. was the space cowboy. Yeah. Is that what it was? Space? I couldn't remember I like, what it was in the book. I like Moonlight Man Moonlight better. Moonlight Man is better. The, Way I, better. He, he is the only... So First off, Carl Stryken is amazing, and I've loved him since yeah. forever. He was in... Yeah. He was, family. He's he was Lurch. Lurch in the Adams Family, yeah. the giant in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he is fantastic yeah. at what he does. There's no one who can quite do what he does. Yeah. Um, but I loved him... I he was great. He was. He's a fantastic job. He I I just do. He was a wonderful character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that brings us to the epilogue. Yeah. Well, yeah. we we do have to talk about how he during the ordeal itself uh she doesn't know that he's actually real. Well, he's he's her hiding in the shadows representation of death. Right. And he's so, also like a lever that the Gerald part of her psyche tr- tries to use to Yeah. To, to to sort of like push her into right. giving staying up. put. And yeah. Right. And yeah. it's that is that it, there's was the one of the very few examples where the book does slightly better. The first instance he appears, he does not move. Mm-hmm. All he does is stare at her. Well I think in the movie, He opens up the back. It, oh, well, no, because he was first. You see him in the shadow, standing and then in the he corner. Comes forward, yeah. But so, of course, they they had to so the, time compress that. Yeah. And, and but that was but there's only two instances of him, 
right. they're just like they were in the movie. That was the same. But that's what that what that's what makes her more confused is that he never moves. So she wasn't sure if she really saw him. She right. wasn't sure like if he was real, and she kept telling herself he wasn't real. That's where you aren't real. You're just the moonlight came from. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like you can you can pull it from the movie just as easily. But that was one moment that kind of lost that uh, and it, it would have made the end where she runs away longer yeah. which it's it's i think it's a full like 30 40 pages it's a big part of yeah. of the book it's not a long book but but when for she, Stephen King especially yeah <laughs> but but in the movie when she does finally get free and when she does gives him her ring i like, like that i thought the symbolism of that i was loved it great she's yeah like, good my sense. marriage is dead because yeah. i'm a better person right. completely and she's basically seeing him as the specter of death right. yeah completely made up for the movie and i Paying loved it, it. loved it good. so much yeah i thought that was perfect and i loved that in his bag there were bones and there were women's trinkets mm-hmm. yeah women's bracelets which is Mm-hmm. Odd because they specifically go out of their way at the end of the movie to mention that he don't do women. Yeah, I think he yeah. likes women's things. Yeah, and it's, he likes the men's parts. Uh, Let's go. Here yeah, it comes. Got to do it. A little bit of Buffalo Bill. What pissed me off about the ending? We just it just dove headfirst into that depraved homosexual trope. It did. It did. It did. And they that... go out of their way to mention that he starts collecting, he starts fucking the corpses of men exclusively and collecting their genitals. Yep. Which mm-hmm. I, I can't fault him for the, I mean, dicks are wonderful. They I are. They are. I love them. All the, fans here. They, they are not, yeah. however, non-perishable. Yeah, no. it's true. They will. <laughs> and they, they are not, king missile aside, they are not detachable. Yeah. They don't fill with blood very well once they're no longer attached. Exactly. Right. So, I hated that fact for several reasons. First of all, the whole epilogue in the movie when he turns out to be real and and there's this big info dump that we find out, oh, by the way, that guy who we didn't know if he was real or not, turns out he's real and he's here and we're going to go see him. Right. Which felt like unnecessary, felt like wasted time. But also, they went out of their way to make sure that we all knew that the reason why he didn't attack her was because he was a gay necrophile. Because he was actually like, yeah, gay necrophile. And, and yep. that part disturbed. I I think that leaving is, him in yeah. and having him be revealed as real to her was important. Of I course, think that yeah. should have stayed in. That is sure. the gay necrophiliac part. The only reason, the only reason I can see it as being even remotely important in this case, and it's really not, is the fact that that's why he didn't touch her. Right. And, and which is, if you're going to hang a lampshade on the fact that he doesn't touch her, yeah, maybe you find a lampshade that is, you know, not quite such a homophobic fucking right. color. And it you is, know? And not, not the not, fucking leg lamp from not a Christmas to, story. Not to be that guy, but... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the sad part is, complete invention of the movie. Yeah. That part is complete invention of the movie. He... Mm, hang on a minute. I don't think it is. I Uh-oh. think it is. From what I remember... Because it's not, it, it, there's not as much info dump about him. It's a very different ending. It's basically she sees this a picture of him in trial, and she realizes maybe he is something to do with this. She goes to the trial, sits right behind him, doesn't say a word. He turns around and looks at her, and says that back to her. Right. And it's real simple and creepy. And she is actually in that moment not empowered, but chilled to her bone. And which is very much the Stephen King short story would have made a lot more sense than the movie version, which she goes walking into a courtroom. Oh, God. Yeah. A packed courtroom. And they just let her in. 
she goes wandering down the middle of the aisle, interrupts the proceedings, and they let her. Yeah. And then... The judge looks at her instead of, like, yeah. bailiffs take her into custody. And so then there's this dramatic moment when he turns around and she sees him. And she also sees... <laughs> She also sees her father, and she also sees Gerald. Oh, God. The symbol, symbolism of that moment is internally that, consistent. It makes sense. I understand why they did it. That was so is, Lifetime original movie, it, it made me unhappy. It, it doesn't give me uh, specific details about it, but it does go into the letter that she writes in the book to Ruth Neary, who is a character that we have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Important. Um, but it does mention that he is a serial necrophile and a murderer. It just doesn't say... Yeah. It doesn't it, give the depraved homosexual Yeah, thing. he's not a depraved homosexual. That's because the the part that they kind of skipped over, he actually attacks her. Yeah. And he goes after her. And there's a bit of a battle. And she loses her ring in the battle. And she actually thinks about going back to get it. So there is this, like, I'm not touching you because I'm you know, crazy homosexual necrophiliac doesn't exist because he literally attacks her and touches right, her and right. wants her. <clears throat> so that was something they came up with for the movie. Yeah, yeah. and it was, I, Which, I think it was a time saver. Her escaping was a much easier escape sure. than it was in the book. Yeah. And I, I I, thought even this, like the scene where she gives him, she gives him the ring and, and fucking skedaddles. It was actually fucking touching. It was yeah, a great I liked it. scene. Yeah. And they shat all over they it did. by they trying did. to explain it. They did. They did. And that, I wish, I really wish, since the whole rest of the movie was like dead on with the book and doing a great job of like cherry picking its moments when it deviated, mm -hmm. I wish that ending would have been just the same. Like she just would have went in, he would have said the thing, she would have been creeped out. I would have even been fine if, you know, we still had all of the progressive, I've, you know, created a foundation and I help abuse children. Mm -hmm. All of that is wonderful. Yeah. But like, I just, and I, I want her to be empowered. I guess I don't want her to be terrified leaving the courthouse. Right. But maybe at least knowing that this man was real and is now going to be in jail could have been her empowerment. Like she right. could have freaked out, walked outside and then felt empowered. And then the sun yeah. clears. Yeah. And yeah. The, the eclipse goes away. The power of love brings her to right. the truth of. So, so yeah. it, I mean, obviously we know that this is a, a story of empowerment and of gaining empowerment and of gaining one's own agency. But it seems like there, there are parts of it that it's like, okay, you gain your agency at the expense of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, that poor dog. That I know. <laughs> Actually, give them credit. I don't think that, did the dog die in the movie? No. They didn't say. Totally dies in the book. Oh, yeah. Um, they, yeah. The police shot him in the book. I was actually real happy about that. I'm like, you don't have to kill the dog. The dog can run away. They left the door open in like the most oh, obnoxious wait. foreshadowing scene ever. I think right. they actually even mentioned that they shot the dog in the movie. Did they really? Oh my god! Of course. Well, I mean, well so I thought either that or you told me about the dog getting shot. I don't. Remember. Hopefully the dog lived. Can I just say that the, my all of the camera work aside, my most hated moment is the looking back and reaching toward the open door as you're pulled by your husband. Because right. I don't care what like n New Orleans. I love that they were in New Orleans instead of. Yeah, they were. In they New weren't Orleans. in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alabama, New Orleans versus like. They went up to Maine from New Hampshire because their main house was in the 70s right. in the summer. Right. Which makes perfect sense why you would do that versus like... It's impressive to have a, like a, a summer house in a completely different decade. Right. <laughs> oh my God, that was so witty. Oh my God. Hey, you're the one who said it. That was delivered all wooden-like, much like, you know, 
dead dude's dick. Aw, John the Carpenter? <laughs> Either way. Either and way. I, yeah. Gerald or John, we don't care. That was, I, and I, I give them credit for like putting the glass of water up there. I actually thought her like sticking the glass into the side of the board. Oh my God. Oh my God. Out. That, that was a really great scene. I like, don't get grossed out by shit. Oh, I didn't want to watch the degloving. Oh, it was no. the degloving not no, your thing? It, it wasn't. It wasn't the actual degloving because once you got to that point, it was CGI and it was obvious. It was the actual grinding of oh. her wrist into that piece of glass. No, oh my god, she no. did not listen to the ghost version of herself that she said, "Don't cut too much, she girl." Hey, she cut just enough. <laughs> yeah. That's like the only scene anybody could talk about on the internet is like this that that degloving scene. Well, it was well, fantastic. I was not shot. anticipating the degloving. Like yeah, I, that was what I heard from a lot of people. Like, oh, they're not oh, really going to do that. I knew well, it was coming. Well, I I knew she like slides out, but I don't remember. And maybe it does happen in the book. It I don't does. remember a degloving. Like yeah. they when I watched that, I was like, oh lord. They yeah. there's like a, a full paragraph when she's doing it that describes medically what a degloving is. Oh my god! Of course, Stephen so, King. Of course, but yeah, I fully expected it. I'm like, I I I want to know how they pull it off, and I'm like. Up until the point where she actually starts pulling her hand through and the skin starts coming off, which is obviously CGI, and it kind of you know broke me you said bit. that a couple of times. I, I might have been I too busy cringing to notice. Yeah, I fully was like, it yeah. could not have bothered me. It didn't. It it was slightest. If, that, that if it was CGI, it was seamless, or yeah. or yeah. at the very least, it was. It looked like it. I did, it didn't look out. Of I place. did love his overly red CGI eyes, like the tall okay, guys. Yeah. I love the Moonlight Man. I yeah. loved his eyes. I was so all about that. I was like, right, yes, right. CGI. Yay. That there's no real way that could happen. That's totally in her brain. Right. You can't reflect that kind of light out of I, someone's eyes. I honestly but, wish. Right. I kind of wish. Well, they but those maybe... were supposed to be reminiscent of the eclipse. I know. I well and symbolism. I, I didn't think eclipses were red. No. Uh, I. I guess it would depend on when it's happening and what time of day. Did you see the recent eclipse? No, because I have a day job. You, uh, your <laughs> office is all windows. No, but the it was above my okay, office. Fine. Not. Did you see it? Yes. Was it red? No. Okay. Are your eyes Ma better? I, I mean, you maybe they it? were thinking the way she saw it through. I put the on. Shade I put sunscreen in my eyes. I was fine. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You realize that there were so many people that went to the hospital because they put sunscreen in their eyeballs. That, that was the joke. And the other people went uh, to the hospital because they just looked without. Right. Because they're dumb. And now they're blind. Yes. Just like there was a woman who, like, like a model who got a tattoo on her eyeball and now she's blind and in excruciating pain. Oh, God. Tattooing your eyeballs Because is you so don't insane. stick need Kids, okay. That's like the first the first episode of 90210 ever. You sharp things in your eyeballs. Sticking needles in your eyeballs isn't cool. <laughs> On today's special episode of Candy Coated Razor Blades. <laughs> don't put razor blades in your eyes, children. All of the children who are hopefully not listening. Oh my god. Yeah, don't don't put sharp things in your eyes. Don't. So going back to the eclipse. I kind of wish and and the CGI too. I almost wish that he would have done a little bit more visually like with the eclipse and also with like her state because it is very it's a very naturalistic kind of feel mm -hmm. even when she's hallucinating gerald and this other version of herself yeah it's still very naturalistically shot i yeah. kind of would have i would have 
been more into it if there would have been a little bit more done with the obvious. Did you want that red gel put back on the camera? Not necessarily. Or, or, or maybe just kind of punch up the dreamlike state. Exactly. I could have seen that, yeah. It's just something something, something to kind of heighten that. Heighten yeah, th that there was uh, no reality. difference between reality and fantasy. Right. Which right. is its own in it you know it's in its own way as a stylistic choice but i just i i would have preferred that because he did so clearly stylize like the eclipse part yeah, yeah. um i would have liked to have seen a little of that play over into the conversations with gerald and other jesse yeah i think yeah. it would have been there could have been a really neat shift in like the the color timing over to like when once she realized it was fake, like you could just see the right. shift, mm. like more to like a blue or oh, yeah. color just, palette, just like or or like Vaseline off the lens. Yeah, or you could yeah. even do you could even do uh, not that I'm suggesting I go full erotic rights of Frankenstein, <laughs> but like maybe do one of those kind of wider angle lenses that kind of distorts the background. Yeah, yeah, or or something that has they could have even shot him in really really narrow uh, yeah field of focus so that yeah. he's. Gerald is in focus, and the background is just kind of this fades. kind of blur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there, there, there's a, there could have been a lot of choices. I think they chose to play the, you know, keep it straight, keep it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was fine. It worked well. Yeah, I, the I, way it was put together. Yeah, but that would have been, been. I would have enjoyed that. Like, if they would have done something just to, and you wouldn't have had to like be hacky about it. Like, she no. could have. It could have been real at first, and then you kind of see her shift it with her mm -hmm. understanding of what was real and what was fake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Mike Flanagan is kind of, and his his camera placements are really good. His mm -hmm. shots are really good, but he is, I don't know, like the tone he goes for. It's very, it's always that same kind. At least in the stuff I've seen, yeah, it's always he's kind of like Frank Darabont, like the yeah, the Shawshank Redemption, Walking Dead guy, yeah, the mist. Yeah. Oculus Where, is not going to change that. Opinion because no. it's just it's, <laughs> it's, it, it it always kind of looks like that, and that's why like I couldn't get into The Walking Dead because it looks like the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, but I love the Shawshank Redemption. I like the Shaw. I thought it was good too. I haven't actually seen the Shawshank Redemption. The novella is better. It, well, I, mean, I, I like the novella. I've seen yeah. the ending of, of the movie sucks. The, the, the novella is better. Yeah, but, well, they just don't can do the answer. But it, but I, I and I do have to you know again elephant in the room. Um, besides. Small dogs like the last time. Well, this one um, wasn't small. No. He was still black. He could have been named Pepper. True. <laughs> I would have named that dog but Pepper. Now, the, the elephant in the room here is, even in this movie, we, we've we still pretty much just nailed the fact that Stephen King cannot end a novel to save his life. Well, and that's... I think the novel, Gerald's Game, ends well because the epilogue is practically its own short story. Right. It is almost 100 pages. Well, that's just like the last few chapters of It that no one ever actually needs to read. Someday I'll read It. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, right after I read Nosferatu, don't worry about it. I was looking for It. Um, no, and that's... And this movie, it almost was like they ended the way Stephen King novels normally end. Where you're like, oh, that's a strange ending. I wasn't prepared for this, like, weird, yeah. surrealist moment when she's just like... You're, you were shorter than I remembered. And she like mm -hmm. walks out in the whole courtroom, just looks at her. I was like, this she is... She flipped her hair on the way I out, did. too. I feel like she walked into that courtroom and the bailiff grabbed her and then she like started having a seizure and the rest was just like a fever <laughs> dream. <laughs> that would have kicked out. Like, uh, that's what I feel like happened because it's it's what it's that movie ending that I despise that like... Oh, fun. This is the great example. If, if you ever watch Dexter, 
Mm-hmm. At the end of every season, Dexter flips into that surrealist thing. Yep. It only ever happens on the very last episode for like the last three minutes. Everything mm-hmm. just becomes surrealist and slowed down and he has like a narration and right. people are doing weird things around him. And it's like that. That's kind of how this ended. Like we went from a super realist movie to like surreal at the end. Right. And I think the, the other thing about it, the ending in particular, well, the whole movie it reminds me of the ending of Misery. Yeah, because I've like, never seen Misery. Really, really, it's actually yeah. very good. I've never seen it. Um, it the, is. I mean, it, it, it is, is. As far as I'm concerned, it is still the best King adaptation. I wouldn't doubt. I've. That. Uh, I'm going Stand to challenge me. that with Carrie. Stand by Me is also great. Stand by Me is going to be mine forever. Um, mm. I love it. Do yeah. love it, but and Misery is Misery is is the titty sprinkles. It is. Yeah, so I definitely I want to see Misery. It's on my list of yeah. like, my short I mean, list. there's a reason Kathy Bates won an Oscar. Yeah, I love her. Um, <laughs> except when she did that Wisconsin accent in Freak oh, Show. Yeah. That was that perfect. That was that perfect storm of like William Goldman did the screenplay, Kathy Bates, James Con, yeah. James Con. Like that was like his comeback role. Mm-hmm. And and Stephen King was just high enough or in rehab that he was not involved really. Right. Really. And I so, don't know which one because it was. I know that I know that they they didn't change the ending much, and they didn't no. change much in that book, no, uh, to make the movie. But for what it was, it was played pretty straight, yeah. and it was just beautifully done. And uh, it was. I, I mean, I will always say that my favorite movie ever is Carrie. It is yeah. the original Carrie. You gotta love you, sissy. Uh, I do, uh, but that's that's not because of the way the book was written or how the movie was made. It was because I identify with the character. Um, that's you know my coping with shit in my life. Show us in the much, well where they hurt much you. Much like Jesse, yeah. Um. <laughs> Whatever. Damn it. By but, the way, uh, speaking of Sissy Spacek, I have uh, To Kill a Mockingbird narrated by her audiobook yeah. narrated. Amazing. Nice. I can never not listen to her talk right. about it now. Nice. But it was it was very much like misery, and there's but, this kind of like okay, you're going through this horrible horrible ordeal, and you're stuck in a bed in a very uncomfortable position. Yes. Right. Whole thing. But it was actually a growing experience. Well, yeah, and the the and, ending of the book that way is kind of the same way. It yeah. has, it, you know, he has his moment of oh, the the demon's back, it's coming back to get me. But you know, he you're still coping with trauma at that point, and that was a lot of his books at that time, from Misery to uh, Gerald's Game to Dolores Claiborne to Rose Matter. Yeah. All of them were basically dealing with people yeah. that were coping with trauma in their yeah. life. So that was when Stephen King was dealing with his own. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was like Tommy Knocker's time frame. The book he doesn't remember writing. He was, right. He was dealing with his own trauma. Oh, yeah. yeah. Glug, glug, sniff, sniff. And that was sh- just shortly before his uh, accident as well, too. So, yeah, yeah he like the mid 90s was his accident. Yeah. But oh, I, and that no, created maximum dream. overdrive oh was his accident. Well, well, we can watch that someday. I I have a lot of fun with that movie for no apparent reason. I, <laughs> or we can. I think I mentioned it before. We can watch Trucks, which is oh, a Canadian God. ripoff of it. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, so any so anyway, in yeah. regards to to um, Gerald's game, uh, I, I'm really gonna have to give it. You know, because I, I liked it. I did. I don't think it was perfect. I, I, but I think for what it was, it was well done. I'm, I'm gonna give it four out of five improperly used handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he had cuffed her legs, she just would have been fucked. Oh, she would have been completely been fucked. Yeah. Um, I, I liked this movie a lot. It's, it's not my favorite book. It's, uh, it's actually my one of my least favorite of his books, right up there with Dreamcatcher, which I just hate so much. Um. I, I think the movie changed enough things, and if I just 
try hard not to get stuck on that ending. I think it was a good experience. I loved yeah. what happened with this character. I liked the way it was filmed. I liked the way she was portrayed. Um, so I would give it, I would give it a solid a three and a half cut off noses in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Andy? Kind of in the same boat. I think it was, there was some really, really great stuff in it. There's some really effective stuff in it. And like on the whole, it was not something that's going to stick with me for very long, but there are enough little flourishes that I, I wasn't bored. And I think the story itself is really interesting. It's a very lifetime original movie. And so, yeah, yeah well, I mean, it could have starred um, Fantasia Barino. Oh, God. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. Valerie Bertinelli. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> if, if we wanted to throw an abortion storyline in, Shannon Doherty probably is available. So, oh, Shannon Doherty is available for everything. <laughs> she only does Shannon Doherty is available for everything because no one wants to hire her. Yeah. No one wants to hire Alyssa Milano anymore either. True. Although Holly Marie Combs, still working as a mother. For the rest of her life, right. she will be a mother on television. Yeah, I don't know will. why. I mean, well, I mean, people do hire Alyssa Milano. She's had, she has gotten very political lately, which is probably why people try to stay away from her. But they, I mean, she was in the latest Wet Hot American Summer, wasn't she? Oof. Oh, I watched one episode and was done. I think Netflix showed me 20 seconds of the trailer and I was like clawing at the button. Like, get me out of here. Stop. Get me out of here. Get me out. I'm like, I hated the state to begin with. Why? Why? Like, no, seriously. Like, I like second 15, I had already smashed the glass and was cutting my wrist. Like, get me out of here. You were escaping from the bed. What's your rating? No, I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, pretty good little movie. I guess I'm going to have to give it three out of five droplets of urine, which she totally let go in that bed and they did not show. <laughs> yeah, she, they really should have had like black she sheets. Yeah. Seriously, nobody sits in a bed for like 48 hours and doesn't piss. Right. Yeah, well, you know, she did drink out of the paper straw that would have disintegrated yeah. halfway up to her mouth. Right. Yeah. I even remember that scene in Misery, too, where like the, the book Misery. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Now I'm doing it. The oh, in the book in the book of misery where he's actually like he has to yeah. he has to pee, but he's also really thirsty. So he like makes this weird filter by tucking the yeah. sheet over his dick, and then like pisses pisses into his cupped yeah. hands and then and then laps it up. Which, oh my God! They should have had James Conn do that for the piss pigs in the audience. Know, watch misery. Right. We do not. Ki- well, no, don't watch misery. We do not it, kiss. It doesn't happen. In, well, it doesn't true, happen it does in the not, movie. Well, read the book. Anyway. It's in the book. But no, we do not kink shame. You're allowed to do whatever you oh, want yeah. with your bodily fluids. You don't have to filter your piss before you drink. If you want to wear those terrible shoes from the last podcast, oh. no one will shame you except me. I mean, unless yeah, it's your will, kink, we will totally shame you. If, for it's, if it's your kink, I will accept that you were excited by that. Some people are into humiliation, but I will mm-hmm. also dis not accept, just dislike your social choices yeah yeah so anyway speaking of bad social choices speaking of bad social choices social join us next time as we talk about something equally and you can important. reach candy and you- razor blades at <laughs> trying to segue he doesn't right? to, he just won't pick it no, up no bob refuses to segue ever he just won't pick up oh, i'm not subtle um, so anyway, <laughs> neither are most of our segues, Bob. <laughs> questions, concerns, want to lay eggs in our brain? Go ahead and email us at bob at candycoatedrazor.com. Uh, visit us on the web at candycoatedrazor.com and also on Twitter at, at candyrazorbob. And remember to rate us on iTunes or whatever service you use to download this podcast. Five stars is great. Written reviews are even better. That gets more people excited about us. You can reach me at um, Zanman Horror Fan on Twitter, X A N M A N Horror Fan. 
And I am on Twitter also at at oh shut up Andy. O H shut up Andy. Already got the rate and subscribe part in. Yeah. Woohoo! All right. That All was right. that was that was a really that was a really milk toast sort of reading of that, uh, wasn't it? I milk toast. I love that word. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, All right, bye. Bye. The Candy Coated Razorblade podcast is distributed under Creative Commons License 3.0. Attribution, non-commercial, share alike. Visit us on the web at www.candycoatedrazor.com. Theme music for this episode is 13 Monsters by Lightning Bolt. Visit them on the web at www.laserbeast.com.